Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. Are you? I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, sometimes news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. I don't remember why, but someone suggested we change what are we drinking to what cheese are we eating? Are you eating any cheese? I'm, I got the note late. I got the note a little late, so I, I didn't have a I chance to grab a cheese. didn't get the note late, but all I have are American Craft Singles. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because, because, and, and, uh, I, I have realized that my cultural center has drifted, uh, from someone who would admit that sort of embarrassingly of like, Mm -hmm. oh, craft singles, you know, secret shame, whatever. Uh, but that's not why we have them. We have them to make Korean breakfast foods. Oh, all right. Acceptable. Craft singles, big, big ingredient in a lot of Korean, like, you know, French toast egg recipes on the old TikTok these days. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I saw a really good, a couple of really good recipes on TikTok this week mm-hmm. that I want to make. There's like a okay, we'll just talk about it for a second. There's like a crunchy rice ball thing that you put Ooh. like um like tuna salad on top of and like mm-hmm. drizzle with like Eileen mayonnaise and yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah, that really sounds good. really good. It looks really yeah. good. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, the, the only cheese I have in my fridge from the Japanese. Yes, store. that's what I want. That's what mm-hmm. I want. That would be really good. I would like to make some like um, veggie. Um, what's the not okonomiyaki? Uh, takoyaki. Oh yeah, takoyaki. That would be good. good. Okay, um, I'm. Are you drinking then? Anything? I am drinking a uh, Saint Francis Old Vines Zinfandel, and since we started streaming on uh, Riverside, uh, I, I put it in the fancy Game of Thrones glass instead of. The usual plastic cup that I drink it out of. <laughs> nice. It is a very fancy, almost a goblet. It is. It is made by the people who make uh, the glasses for shows such as Game of Thrones, uh, uh, Outlander. It was nice. because of Outlander that I, I I tracked them down and I ordered these Outlander glasses. You were like, I have to have it. I have to we have were, it. We were watching Outlander and Eileen kept going on and on about how much she loved those glasses. And so I like tracked down the people in Northern England that make the glasses and they sell them to the public and they ordered them and had them shipped across the ocean three you know or four what? years ago. Yeah, that's totally something Jamie would do. <laughs> that's very Jamie of you. Except except when the glasses arrive, Claire would be like gone, kidnapped by pirates. She would have disappeared. So, yeah. yeah, she would yeah. be. Tied up against a tree in a forest somewhere. Um, ugh, I am drinking a Gundlach Bunshu Gewürztraminer. Gesundheit. Yeah, it's you know Gewürztraminer is very sweet, but I, I'm yeah, part it's of the wine a club. Dessert wine, mm, not quite. Yeah, not quite. It can, but it's, it's not borders. quite. Yeah, um, but it's a. Uh, uh, I'm part of the wine club, and so I get my shipments in, 
And I kind of like cut my teeth on on Gewürztraminer back in the day, uh, that and Riesling when I was a, a baby wine drinker and I needed sweet things. <laughs> As a baby, a your mom used baby. to give you Gewürztraminer. <laughs> yeah, not a literal baby. <laughs> Quiet down, baby. Have you passed that on to your baby? Not yet. No, no. no. We're still just doing the pure whiskey on the gums for the teeth <laughs> gotcha. thing. That's it. Yes. Yeah. A fine just, you know, just a shot or two. That's all it takes. <laughs> right. Not enough to hurt him. Please don't call CPS. I am not giving my baby alcohol. Thank you. You got to be careful these days. You never, you, know. Know. you never know. You never know. Yes. So it's funny. I'm, I'm a member of the St. Francis Wine Club. That's why we get the St. Francis stuff all the time. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of wine tonight with Tom and Veronica. Let's jump into the quick burns. Mark, uh, Mark, by the way, thank you. Lots of good contributions from Mark you'll be hearing tonight. Uh, Mark says Legendary Comics is kickstarting an official graphic novel adaptation of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. So mm. I, it's not a graphic novel adaptation of Dune straight. It's a graphic novel adaptation of the movie. Uh, if you are so inclined, you can order your book in a Gamjabar box, guaranteed Aww. to be pain-free. Uh, among many and varied other perks. It's not really clear from the Kickstarter description, but I think this is the only, only an adaptation of the film and probably not the entire story. So, the uh, spoiler alert, Dune Part 1 does not tell the entire story of the book Dune. Yeah, uh, no so kidding. You, I'm a good guess, Mark, that this probably just tells what was in Part 1 of the, mo- the movie. Did you love the movie? I did. I did. I did too. I did. I was not put off by the fact that it was part one. I was glad. I was like, yes, you spent enough time to tell the story properly. I'm happy that you didn't try to shove in part two. Good, good work, Denis. I mean, I can't, I couldn't have even imagined by the point that we got to at the end of part one, going further than that after and it I think already that was being... a good breaking point in the story. Even if the book doesn't end there. It left I, me I wanting more for sure. This may be apocryphal, but I believe... Children of Dune, or at least Dune Messiah, was originally supposed to be part of the book Dune in the first place, and they mm-hmm. and he spun it out as its own book. Um, so yeah, it's fine. I'm good with that, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was one of those rare movies we we did not watch it in the theater. We watched it at home, and I believe that was not optimal. Having seen mm-hmm. it, I'm like, this would have been better in the theater. So you know, at me if you want, but I already know. Um, but we watched it at home, and we didn't stop. Almost every movie you watch we pause at some point. Let the dogs out, go to the bathroom. We did not pause that movie. It was that good. Yeah. We sat in like perfect silence basically for the we, entire Eileen movie. Eileen uh, had the brilliant idea of turning off the lights. Oh, yeah. We watched TV in the dark anyway. So that that's mm-hmm. not great for my eyes. But um, <laughs> I we don't been... have a lot of lights on usually, but she was like all of them. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I We listened with our uh, AirPods actually. And, um, I tweeted about that and some people got mad <laughs> that, like, because you, if, because you said something on the internet, some people I got said mad. something on the internet about something right. of which I am, you know, not, not an expert, but not, not, not an expert. They got mad because you were listening that. on AirPods. Why? Because it wasn't the optimal experience. I should have either listened to it, watched it at a theater, or, you know, if I had a really good home system, watched it that way. And I'm like, okay, but also I have a baby. 
I can't crank up my home, my good home system. Like even if I wanted to get it anywhere close to the experience of being in a theater, it would have to be uncomfortably yeah. loud in my house where other people live. No, you should do it the way some other person you've never met tells you that you should do it. Not the way right. you think is best for you. Yeah. And I thought it was really great because AirPods, you know, they're not the best headphones on the market, but they are pretty good. And it allowed me to hear all the nuance of the sound design Mm, that mm -hmm. I think was like really incredible. And I, at the time I was like, oh, I'm really glad I have my headphones on for this because, you know, even Jessica's, like Jessica's Mm -hmm. dialogue was sometimes a little quieter than I think would have been comfortable uh, listening through speakers. So you were taking advantage of the Apple TV ability to handle two AirPods at once. That's right. Yeah, that's nifty. We haven't yeah, we haven't actually done that. I've listened to TV on my AirPods alone, but we've never mm-hmm. had both of us on. We, we should try that. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's nice. It felt very intimate. It felt like you know, kind of mm-hmm. clo- much closer to being in the theater than I than I thought was possible at home. I believe that a person who has your best interests at heart would not tell you how to listen, but tell you you should listen in the best way you think you can. And that's what you did. That's what I did. And also I didn't have to be around other people, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of Dune, uh, Mark says again, up for auction later this month, Alejandro Jorovsky's Dune. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Cool. One of the only a few surviving copies from his Kickstarter like funding effort to film Dune. Contains reproductions of concept art by Mobius, Foss, and Geiger, including a near-complete storyboard of the movie with dialogue in French and English. Estimated selling price is European uh, twenty-five thousand uh, to thirty-five thousand. Yeah, euros. thirty-five thousand euros. Um, is it European? Is it done Europeans. Yet? We- <laughs> it costs thirty-five thousand Europeans. You actually have to, to get Europeans. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bidding starts 19 days from now if you want to if you want to jump in on it. Uh you can get replications of this if you go look at this and go like, "Wait, I've seen that at like a really high-end uh, you know, art store." Um there there have been a few uh a few replicas made of this out there. Even those are expensive though because there weren't that many made. These are the originals. These are the ones Jodorowsky himself made if I if I'm reading this right. It is in French after all. Yeah. So that comes out to be about it's about uh almost the low end twenty nine thousand US dollars. The, yeah, I mean the euros low are end of that. Almost the same as US dollars. Yeah. So the conversion is almost at the at this at this level of of money, I'm like the <laughs> conversion's almost too much. like yeah, not even a big big difference. Uh, and then uh, for the hat trick, uh, Mark let us know that season two of Orphan Black, the next chapter. Uh, that's the continuation of the orphan black story as an audio play book performance, uh, came out on Friday, October 29th, of course, narrated by Emmy award winner, Tatiana Maslany, uh, the official continuation of the hit TV series continues the journeys of the Sestras and explores the dangerous life-changing consequences of having destroyed project Lita for good, uh, stars Tatiana, Tatiana Maslany, Tatiana Maslany, Tatiana Maslany, Tatiana Maslany, Tatiana Maslany, and oh my God. Tatiana Maslany, written by <laughs> Madeline Ashby, Lindsay Smith, Helly Kennedy, Malka Older, E.C. Myers, and Michelle Baker. Malka Older sounds familiar. And Michelle Baker. Who is Malka Older? 
They're an author. Okay. What did they write that I feel like I've read? Yeah, we've, uh, we, we, I don't know about Malka, but I know we've, we've, uh, discussed Michelle Baker's fine works many a time on the show. Oh, okay. Interesting. I think I talked, I think I either interviewed her or spoke to her for IRL. Uh, no, maybe not. That, no. That's the name of a show maybe. Veronica did. She doesn't just mean in real life. That's right. Anywho. Yeah. Cool. I still have never caught up. I've never seen all of all of uh, Orphan Black. I just watched the first couple episodes. I, I couldn't I didn't get into it, but I know you were a big fan. I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah. I have not done the audio, though, and I really want to. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to make time for that. But we keep, uh, you know, reading books every month. Other books. Show, so. Yeah. <laughs> Treg says Barnes and Noble Book of the Year finalists are up. It is replete, replete, I say, with sword and laser type books, including a science fiction novel and two fantasy books. That's a full 37.5% of them being of said genres. So for fantasy, we've got Under the Whispering Door, which uh, Treg rated five out of five by TJ Klune, and The Sentence by Luis Erdich. And for science fiction, we've got Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Dewar, Door, 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 D-O-E-R-R, uh, to which Tamahome wrote, I keep seeing that cuckoo one on display. It says the author won the Pulitzer for something else. Uh, and then uh, uh, and Adden, RJ, oh, oh, what? I can't, I don't know how to say this. RJ, well, and, Slayer of Trolls, That and, should just be an and. It's and, a little... I thought it was like a weird abbreviation, but now you fixed it. Thank you. And RJ Slayer of Trolls replied, All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. Um, so that's the, an excellent the Pul- read. The, we, we lost the thread there, but that's, that's the Pulitzer <laughs> Prize winning uh, book. Trike. My dear Trike. Did did you did he put all this together or did you no, compile no. There, this there were th- there were This was on the Goodreads thread. Oh, you can't do it that way. That's too confusing for my simple brain. No, because I've done it the other way and you've, you've gotten confused by it too. So I'm not well, sure. I'm very how, easily how, confused at this time of night after having a glass of Kudlak I keep seeing I that Google one on display and RJ. Now I screwed you up by misspelling and, <laughs> and RJ Slayer of Trolls replied, all the lights we cannot see by Anthony Doerr, uh, is the one that won the Pulitzer. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Got it. Got it. Okay. You're up. Oh, hi, Trike. Trike wrote <laughs> The Witcher, season two, December 17th, Netflix. I think about this every day. Every day I wake up and I say, I can't believe I still have to wait like another month and a half for The Witcher to come out. That's basically every like day I wake every up day. and say, my wife gets screeners from Netflix. When are they going to mm. give her a screener for The Witcher? So can you, I mean, so say for example, say for example, Tom, mm-hmm. that you received a screener of something like that. Sure. Let's say, let's pretend, I don't know, Netflix is coming out soon with what's a big, big net. Let's pretend, uh, oh, oh, uh, November 19th is Cowboy Bebop. Let's just sure. pretend she got a screener for Cowboy Bebop. And let's pretend that you had a friend that wanted mm-hmm. also to see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How in jail would you be if you mailed that screener to a friend? Mm. Sadly, not how they do screeners. Oh, 
what they do. You mean they don't which, mail you discs that you have no way well, of for, playing? First of all, home. almost nobody mails discs anymore. It still happens <laughs> here and there, but uh-huh. most of them do crazy weird screener apps that are a real pain in the ass and you have to log in every time. Uh, that's, that's how Amazon does it. That's how Apple does it. That's how Disney does it. That's, that's how everybody does it. Except Netflix. Netflix Hmm. asks you for your Netflix account and then puts the screener into your Netflix account and requires you to enter a pin that they have Mm -hmm. emailed you every time you watch an episode. Question. Question. So say you had a screener on your Netflix account. Does that mean that all users associated with that Netflix no, account are able to just just the primary profile? What? Okay. Okay. So were someone to have your Netflix login credentials, mm. they could then sign in as your account. If someone were to steal, like fish, you like fish you me into giving them my Netflix login credentials. They could then choose my wife's profile because there's right. no password protections on right, the profile right, right. between profiles and uh, and absolutely illegally watch the mm-hmm. screeners themselves. Yes. Would you go to jail for that? I wouldn't. You wouldn't. It's not my screener. <laughs> OK. Trike says, well, they track your IP. OK. They don't know that Tom's not traveling. Do they say that it has to they, be coming? Also, these are Eileen's, not mine. So they, nothing's going to happen to me. So, Tom, what is your Netflix login and password? It's not going to be said <laughs> on this show. We tried, Mark. We tried. Yeah, we tried. No, it, was good. it was good effort. No, um, it, they're actually real serious about that stuff. All, all kidding aside, uh, it, they 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 do IP log. I'm not sure what, whether Netflix is as... Is as um, as vicious about it. I think that's why they use those screener apps because the screener apps will note like, hey, wait a minute, you're not watching this uh, at, the, at the same location. What's going on with that? Mm, mm-hmm. um, we're going to send you an email or what or whatever. Right. Uh, they also put up a lot of warnings saying like, if you're not the authorized viewer of this, uh, you will lose all privileges. And also <gasps> we might do legal action. They're probably I can not going to do legal action. Of- yeah, Many but, TV related things worse than someone being like, I'm turning off your Netflix and you can never access it again. Yeah. That'd be well, pretty bad and, in my and life. And also, if your job is director of video production for Rotten Tomatoes and you can no yeah. longer view screeners, that would be, be detrimental to your life. All right. Well, we digressed a bit. Uh, this The uh, trailer looks uh, dope. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all there is to say about that. Um, speaking of trailers, Jan. Jan is back. Jan, Yay. hopefully feeling better. Yay. Uh, says there's a full trailer now for the Wheel of Time series on Amazon Prime Video, premiering November 19th, focusing on Moraine and giving a bit more of an introduction into the world. Um, yeah, I was so, this 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 trailer was very Moraine focused. Um, I'm liking the the cast looks cool. I honestly, I have to admit, I I mean, I read the first four books. I still don't remember like tons of how it went because it was so long ago at this point um so i'm gonna need a little refresher on the on what the first season is going to is going to cover or just just go into it you know refresh partially uh, ignorant like just Mm -hmm. just let it let them tell you the story well honestly Um, that's kind of how i felt about foundation yeah yeah and foundation very different from the books but oh is it 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> Quite a like bit. I, I too read the book and I do yeah. not remember. <laughs> I, I was not remembering at first. And then I went up and kind of refreshed my memory with the Wikipedia summary. I'm like, oh, right. Oh yeah. No, they don't. Oh, none of. Okay. Like there's obviously the, uh, the gender flipping and, and, and some, some casting differences, but there are some huge story differences as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm not going to re-spoil myself, I guess, by, by looking at that, yeah. I'm enjoying but they're it. They're not. I don't think they're personally. I don't think they're bad changes. I'm like, oh, this makes for a great TV show that I think is still capturing a lot of what Asimov brought to the show. Not as much of the uh, of the the wonky stuff, like the the very the, the a lot of the psychohistory stuff is is definitely tamped down in the TV show compared to the book. Uh, mm. But some of that you have to because in the book it just goes into theory, and that doesn't make good TV. I see. I see. Okay. All right. We got another one from Jan, a trailer for the adaptation of the novel Station Eleven, a uh, former sword and laser read, Mm -hmm. uh, has been released. From the video description, Station Eleven is a post-apocalyptic saga spanning multiple timelines. This limited drama series tells the story of survivors of a devastating flu as they attempt to rebuild and reimagine the world anew while holding on to the best of what's been lost. Station Eleven will premiere on HBO Max December 16th. Oh, boy. So we've got... Station Eleven on the sixteenth, and then Witcher on the seventeenth. Good golly, um, I don't know if I want to watch that right now in my I know life. What you mean because of the flu? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but having read Station Eleven, I feel like that I'm less worried about that because I I know from reading the book that. It doesn't, I didn't like experience 2020 and 2021 thinking I'm living station 11. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that, that story is quite a bit different. Yeah. And it's more about the aftermath than the thing itself. The thing itself. Yeah. There's a little bit in the beginning about, about yeah. the thing. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, cool. I didn't even know that was happening. So I'm, I'm kind of stoked on that. That's, hey, that's exciting. If you're a little bit scared of station 11's premise, wait till you see our next quick burn. Yeah, not so stoked on this one. So uh, big news past few days. Uh, Hyperion by Dan Simmons, which was previously in development as a TV series, is now being developed for film by Bradley Cooper and his new production company. Um, the Supreme Sword may not be able to handle the Shrike. Who wrote this? Did you write this? Did you nope. write this quick burn? Um, oh, I didn't. Get, I, I, uh, I, we lost the attribution. I, I will find that while you okay. explain why you can't. You can't handle the Shrike. I can't handle the Shrike. So, yeah, we read Hyperion um, for Sword and Laser a long, 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 long time ago. And the Shrike was like the scariest thing for me at the time. I did not expect there to be something so scary in this novel and it has stayed with me like it's become like my big bad as i said in my tweet of science fiction fantasy uh it's kind of like the de facto monster in my mind and mark was actually posting about this over in the discord about how there oh, is it was, a, it was mark mark made this uh, it was mark mark's posting. been yeah. on the uh yeah, the, yeah. The, on the, the hyperion, hyperion kick yeah yep and um so he was talking about the the birds that I'm not sure. I, I I can't remember, honestly. And I think Mark's in the chat. So if he wants to jump in, if um, the bird is named the Shrike from the book or if the monster is named the Shrike from the bird. But they do the same thing, which is that they impale creatures on their spikes. Um, so terrifying. Um, you know, the bird has a pretty good reason for it. I'm not so sure about the Shrike. I only read the first book in the series. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, 
terrifying. Shrikes are cool birds. That's, yeah, I, I know they're cool birds, but are they based on the monster? Is the monster based on the birds? I think That's the monster's based on the birds. You think so? I think they, they named the monster in the book based on the know. historical bird from their distant past. So the monster is based on the bird. That's what you said? Yeah. That was my uh-huh. guess as well. So I'm going to go with yeah, that th- uh, think, based on nothing right. factual. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Cooper without a shirt is a cool bird as well, according to Trike. You can get impaled on his abs. Tomahome says the Shrike saw the bird in the time tombs. Oh, mm. and that's where it took the uh, thing. Thank you, Tomahome. So it named Excellent. itself the Shrike? <laughs> is that <laughs> or like giving yourself the like bird and everyone said, hey, that monster looks like a bird called the Shrike. So we'll call it the Shrike. So, so it just kind of hoped that people would notice that it did bird-like things? I don't think it things. cared. It was just out stabbing and killing people. They didn't care what they called it. Okay, so it was just like a really great coincidence that that it was like, oh, those birds, what they're doing, that's pretty That's pretty cool. And then people out in the world were like, oh my God, it's doing the thing the birds do. Let's call it the Shrike. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not even a coincidence. That's just people like not, uh, recognizing I don't feel like I would make that association, but I also just learned well, about the bird you, you recently. You don't follow Shrikes as closely as the people on Hyperion, obviously. That's true. I guess they're a little more invested <laughs> in the Shrike's shrike behavior. Fans. Yeah, Shrike stands. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> on know, Hyperion. I don't know about that. Shrike I mean, not stands. after the monster comes, of course, but before okay. that. Tom, we have a title. Uh, shrike, they were shrike stands. Shrike stands. <laughs> Uh, put it in. Yes. Good. Okay. Uh, real quickly, uh, someone in the discord, uh, let me see if I can scroll and find out who it was, um, was saying they couldn't understand us in the, in the episode where we were saying Pandora's star, Pandora's star will be the March read. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we probably didn't do a good job explaining that. Uh, so Pandora's star, well, they were saying that I couldn't understand what they said, Uh, And then we didn't have it in the show notes, which I mean, that was going to be my quick reply is like, yeah, it's in the show notes, but it wasn't uh, because we're getting ahead of it. So in March, we will read Pandora's star Pandora's. Maybe it wasn't in discord. Maybe it was on Goodreads. Anyway, and we will. mm. We're telling you now because it is very long. Yeah, it's a 37 hour audiobook, something like that. So if you want to get a jump start on it, that would be now would be the time. (laughs) Dora's. The other thing they said they couldn't understand what we said was 1Q84, which led to a conversation about the fact that 1Q84 was not an alt read. Oh. I didn't remember it as an alt read because I definitely read the whole thing. Well, we, we did discussed it. it. We did the audiobooks, didn't we? We both did yeah. the audiobook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. We did discuss it. Was it an alt read or was it like a... I don't know. It was a a full-on alt read. I believe them more than I believe my own memory. I think that may have ended us discussing alt reads on the show. Mm. (laughs) We were like, that was too much. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, uh, thank you for that illumination. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Um, As of an hour ago, I didn't have any stories. So I picked one of my own tweets. Um... Which was, uh, the first one was that feeling when you're reading a review of a book and it includes a verb that you made up one time. And I was reading a review of, oh, yeah, now I can't remember what book it was. Link, so. Oh, it was, 
It was our current pick, I believe. Oh, the prefect, a.k.a. Aurora Rising. Yeah. By Alistair Reynolds. And uh, they said, oh, my God, this is from Troy. So, Troy, if you're listening, you wrote this review in uh, 2012. And (laughs) you said, I had previously lemmed this book twice. I kept wanting to read it out of order. Being a standalone book, I no, this can't be for this book. It has to have been another one I was looking at. Because the book we're reading now currently is not a standalone book. I mean, it might have been when it first came out. Right. Oh, now but we have to do definitely is Alistair science? Reynolds because he says, when I picked it up this time after having read all the previous books in his Revelation Space Universe, I fell into it like a fish in water. I think when they say standalone book, maybe what Troy means is it's not in the Revelation Space I mean, we'll get to this mm. in the kickoff here moments okay. from now, but it's not in the main time order of the Revelation Space series. But anyway, Troy goes Although on to say- it is now its own series, so- Yeah, that's right. That's why I was confused, because I know that it is now a series. Maybe in 2012. Right. He says, the writing is crisp, suspenseful, and always imaginative. What an incredible ride this book was. I loved it. But he lemmed it twice first, and I was completely just coming out of nowhere, and to see lemmed just out in the world cracked me up. It made me laugh really hard. I feel bad that we have associated Stanislav Lem with not finishing a book. I know. Well, he's not alive, so it's okay. Is he? I'm pretty sure he's uh, not alive. Our next barrier sword is just a link to a BuzzFeed article called okay. 17 Indigenous <laughs> Science Fiction and Fantasy Books to Read This Month, which sorry, sounds like a great I link. To, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to credit Trike, so let me type in Trike's oh, name this here. Oh, Shrike. I mean Trike. Um, so the reason it's in barrier sword is because, uh, so like two minutes before the episode started, Trike was like, I got one. I got another quick burn quickly. You got to get it in. And I was like, I don't need quick burns. I need barrier swords. And then I was like, I'll just put it in barrier sword. And then we both, we all win. He gets his link in. And the conversation you had about it became feedback, which then qualified it for barrier sword. Yeah. So 17 indigenous science fiction fantasy books to read this month um, from Margaret Kinsbury over on BuzzFeed. And yeah, great list. Um, So head over there if you want some additional things to add to your to be read list. Um, I have, you know, I'm always looking for new things. I had a really big problem. Oh, interesting. I did not know that Daniel H. Wilson was indigenous. Fascinating. Yeah, very cool. Uh, we got Rebecca w- Roanhorse. We got Darcy Little Badger, um, Blake M. Houseman. Sheree Dimeline, The Marrow Thieves, which we read. Yeah, uh, which, was, during your, which was great. During your leave. Yeah. Um, so very cool. So lots of great picks. Um, tons of new things to, to yeah, this is read a great list. and listen to. Mm, wow, and then finally, got another barrier sword from the uh, Riverside.fm chat room from Elizabeth. Um, she said, the number of people watching Riverside is awesome. Thanks for doing live vid recordings of the podcast in the middle of the day here in Australia. You are most welcome. That is great feedback. I appreciate it. Good day, Australia. Good day. Good day. Oh, and that, that was good day. That was an American saying good day because it's the middle of the day. That was not me trying to say something Australian-y. G'day. Right? Nah, but not, see, you mean like British. They, that's British what I was it would not sound bad. Because yeah, British right. British way would sound bad. Be like, good day. Don't be a bogan. She says nobody here says good day. Oh. Well. Very, very few people I've I've ever met in Australia have said <sighs> uh good day. I I'm I i do not want to say none because I feel like maybe one did, but yeah. Anyway. Hi Elizabeth. My, 
my Australian friend, Chrissy, um, she doesn't say g'day, but she, the thing I've picked up from her um, is that instead of saying, huh, or a, like a Canadian was, mm-hmm. would, they say, hey. So like, um, let me, how can I use it in a sentence? Um, you know, that book is really good, hey? Yeah. It's like, hey, but hey. It's like, hey, but hey. Yeah, it's very similar. And I have found myself doing it because I think it's great. I pretend that Australians say things like McDizzle instead of McDonald's. When they Why? really say things like Mackey's or something. Oh, that's what she just said. Elizabeth just said that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm related to, to Australians. so Are you? Yeah. My, my nephew married an Australian and lives in Canberra. I can't He's tell if Elizabeth is saying she's also related to Australians, which she said, oh, my God, me too, Tom. But I'm not sure if that's <laughs> yes, a fact. I mean, I would be. assume you'd be related to some Australians, but I'm confused. <laughs> Anywho. Um, or maybe sorry, she says little, McDizzle. Um, being a little too, right. <laughs> too inside, inside Australia here. That was an inside baseball joke, but it's about Australia. <laughs> they, don't, they play baseball in Australia. They have, a, they have their own league. Oh, um, all right. Let's talk about the book. So we were going to kick off Aurora Rising, also known as The Prefect by Alistair Reynolds. Um, Tom, you want to go over the the book briefing stuff? Sure, sure. Uh, full book briefing available at patreon.com slash sword and laser, of course. Uh, but we will be reading Alistair Reynolds, The Prefect, a.k.a. Aurora Rising, which is officially now called Aurora Rising. But I was very confused because some places like Audible yeah. Still call it the prefect and haven't updated the listing. Um, it's weird. Uh, it was originally the fifth in the Revelation Space series, but it contains very little connection, if any, to the Revelation Space stories, hence the standalone comments earlier. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. title, the prefect, was changed to Aurora Rising in 2017, and Alistair Reynolds announced that uh, his book Elysium Fire would be a sequel to the prefect, which would of course, not be a sequel to The Prefect because it was then called Aurora Rising. So it's really a sequel to Aurora Rising as of 2017. Uh, the new name was chosen to fit in with the panoply stories, the stories about the the police agency that is central to this being a series in their own right. Uh, it is, whatever you call it, set in the 25th century uh, in the Glitter Band, which is a ring of orbital habitats surrounding the planet Yellowstone in the Epsilon Eridani system. And it takes place prior to events in the Revelation Space novels. So if you're worried about being spoiled on Revelation Space, you ain't gonna be. Uh, And Alistair Reynolds himself has basically changed his position to be like, yeah, it's not even part of that series anymore. So don't even worry about that. Uh, It does share a universe with them. So you can go on and read more Revelation Space uh, novels later if you like it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's mostly a mystery, noirish kind of story. Tom Dreyfus is a prefect, a law enforcement officer with the panoply, and he investigates a murderous attack against one of the habitats that leaves 900 people dead. That's that's how the story begins. Yeah. And I, I picked up right away. It felt like it felt like such a Tom pick. Which it's not. Actually, Tom Ahome has been campaigning for Alistair Reynolds and Peter F. Hamilton for so long. I, they basically just took Tom Ahome's advice, like, all right, we'll do a short Alistair Reynolds, which we can do, you know, on short notice, and then we'll give plenty of advance for the long Pandora star pick in March. Uh, but I was fully relying on Tom Ahome for this. 
you're not wrong. Starting to read this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is definitely right up my alley for sure. Yeah, it's it feels, and I'm enjoying it too. I, I'm I'm already. I think I'm on chapter eleven or twelve at this point. Um, and I got to tell you, the name thing really messed with me because, like you said, on Audible it's still the prefect, but on Kindle it's Aurora Rising, and they mm-hmm. whisper sync, and <laughs> but they, like the names don't match names. up, <laughs> and That's so. so weird. I ended up, so I clicked on it in Kindle and it was like, you already own this audiobook." And I was like, are you sure? Are you going <laughs> to? And then it wouldn't. not called. The, the, Do you ever notice how sometimes WhisperSync takes a long time to kind of like figure itself out and like realize that they're connected? And sometimes it takes, like sometimes for me, it mm, takes like a day. I have for, only used it a couple of times, so I, I, okay. I don't usually do it. So it took like a full overnight for my Kindle and my Audible to like realize that they were reading the same thing. So much Synced so up. that it confused itself that my Audible book restarted itself because I opened the Kindle oh, edition no. of the book. Uh-huh. It's like, <laughs> oh, we're syncing now. You're on page one. Great. Yeah, but it was not didn't figure Ugh. out that like the furthest page read mm-hmm. was like much further along. Um right. so but yeah, so that's that's it's all working now. Um but that was a little bit confusing at first. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. I know we're only on on uh, you know day three of the month or what have you. But oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, I like it so far. It's it's really it's it's fast paced. It's interesting. The characters are cool. I like how the story is really kind of like unraveling with time. Like they talk about they do that thing where they talk about things that you don't know what they are, and then they start to explain it. You get that exposition further further down the road you know like a a story how books work typically tom's not listening to me so i'm just kind of talking out my ass right now but i'm sorry a friend of ours is taking a job with jason calcanis so i had to respond that i'm recording with veronica belmont right now oh yes jason uh my previous boss on mahalo daily uh one of the og web shows apologies you were saying (laughs) that's it i was just talking about reading a book <laughs> well I, I i am i am fascinated by how vast this seems knowing it is a corner it is a slice of the alistair reynolds uh revelation space series i've read alistair reynolds blue remembered earth novels which mm. are also quite vast uh as well uh i'm i'm gonna say i'm like 20 percent in at this point mm-hmm. um and I, I'm absolutely subsumed. I'm actually absolutely into the into the mysteries because there's there's more than one. Spoilery, give me a heads up about what where you're at. Well, that's yeah, yes, that's what I'm doing. You mean what I think of it no, so just, far? Just, no, just tell me like literally where you are in the book, like what's happening. Oh, 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 oh! I see what you're saying. Yes, I'm curious uh, to see how we I'm match reading. up. Right, yeah. boy, that's hard to do. Um. I die. Uh, oh, um, the detective has met a captain of a oh, okay. ship. Okay, so I'm a little further than you. Okay, that's one major point. Mm-hmm. And a plot has been hatched about an <laughs> official. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know exactly where you are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a f- maybe two chapters ahead of you. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so not too um, far. Well, so Tomahome, uh being a responsible uh campaigner for a book pick, 
has created a curated glossary of terms for you. Uh, because one thing Alistair Reynolds does is he'll throw a term out in casual use in the world. Mm-hmm. I remember this from Blue Remembered Earth. And then kind of slowly reveal what it means so that you get the feeling of being in a foreign country, basically. And like, what are they talking about? And then you kind of slowly piece it together. He'll never leave you totally like wondering. He'll never leave you in the dark, but it'll take a while. Uh, one of those will just now, if you don't want to be spoiled, even on like what the meaning of a, of a kind of minor ancillary term is, uh, you know, turn off now, I guess. But uh, let's use hyperpig as an example. Yeah. Hyper they just pig start talking has, about hyper pigs. They just are like, oh, that guy's a hyper pig. And you're like, oh, is he like really chauvinist or something? Like, <laughs> And then you slowly put together like, oh, no, a hyper pig is an actual different kind of human. And there, there's like multiple variations of humans this far in the future. Uh, and so you could you could turn to Tomahome's uh, glossary to find out that a hyper pig is a pig human chimera of human level intelligence. I felt like I almost like I got hyper pig more than I figured out what ultras were. Like yeah, ultras that's, that's were really. Yeah, that's kind of why I hyper pig because it's yeah. it's the least spoilery of any of these. But yeah, so ultras also anymore. takes a while. Yeah, and I was like, what? Why? What does that mean? Like, what does that mm-hmm. mean? Um, so well, there was another one too that was really it's it's less interesting, but it's a material that gets referenced a lot. It's like filsom or fill. It begins with an F. Filament? No, it's like that, but not that oh. word. And they use it a few times. They've met, referenced it like three or four I'm times so far. And um, I, I'm just like, what is, what is special about that? And then there's another material, too, that sounds like nanotech, or it feels like it's a nanotech. It's like live something. Or mm-hmm. I'm doing a really great job um, talking about these things that I only partially remember. Well, because remember. you don't want to be spoilery either. That's but. not why. I just can't remember what Words I was are. trying to give you cover, covering Thank fire. You. Sometimes Tom says something that is good for me, and <laughs> I fight back, and I can just see on his face the like sadness that I just didn't understand what is happening. He's like, I was trying. <laughs> it's to like just move someone's on shooting at Veronica, and I step in front of her, and she pushes me out of the way. I can't <laughs> like, see. no, no, <laughs> you must let me finish this sentence. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> don't stop me now tom uh, um so yeah so that's that's pretty much it no it's not yeah uh, do you, do, we'll have a we'll have a, a a good time spoilery discussing this i, I have a feeling because it's a, it's essentially a mystery story it's a detective novel yeah but there's also like aliens and and uh and, and almost almost a dan simmons like thing going on what did that dan one simmons do that's bad why are people mad at dan simmons did he well, say stupid I meant, things? When I said Dan Simmons, I meant he wrote Hyperion, which included a monster called the Shrike. You may have heard of it. Someone on Twitter said something that referenced Dan oh, Simmons I don't know. being he may have, like, he may have done something else in real life, but I was really only talking about the, uh, the, the similarity between the thing on the lady and, and the oh, Hyperion like uh, monsters. Scarab. Yeah, the Scarab. Thank you. The Scarab. Yeah. The, um, yeah, that's a whole, that's a super interesting, <laughs> no, Tom, not vagina spikes. No. <laughs> wow. She does not have a, vagi- <sighs> she does not have vagina dentata. That would be a very scary shrike. 
That's a different novel. If the altogether. Shrike also had a vagina dentata, that's Lovecraftian, Elizabeth says. Might have. Um, all right, now we're just getting off topic. We should have ended the show eons ago. <laughs> all right. Jim, take this out. I love you guys. All right. Um, Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you so much to all of those who inexplicably back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Uh, You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser and... You can join in on all the discussions over at goodreads.com slash sword and laser. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Oh, and Discord. We're also on Discord. I said goodbye. I said good day. G'day. <laughs> G'day.